The information provided in this program is of a general nature and is not intended to be personalized financial advice. We encourage you to seek appropriate advice from a qualified professional to suit your individual circumstances. How Wise plans to capture more of the money-moving market and what its co-founder really thinks of bank margins in a higher interest rate environment. They had a fantastic windfall and now that the windfall is taken away, they're, they're a bit sad. We're quite insensitive to in- interest rates. If anything, it's a bit of a financial tailwind to us. We are very much in the beginning. I mean, we have our hands full. There's, there's a lot to do. It's one of the fastest growing technology companies in the world. And if you've traveled, you've probably heard of it. Wise wants to make your money accessible anywhere in the world in over 40 currencies. It's part of a boom of online challenger banks, including Revolut, trying to transform finance. Formerly known as TransferWise, the payments tech company was backed by Sir Richard Branson and a co-founder of PayPal, Max Levchin, who's now the CEO of the Buy Now Pay Later company, Affirm. Wise listed on the London Stock Exchange in 2021, a decade after it began. Its price has slipped overall, but it's improved this year, up 45%. Co-founded by Christo Karman and Tavid Henriquez, who was the first employee at Skype. On the surface, it looks like a money transferring app, which it is. But underneath, its online payments infrastructure is used by other large companies and banks, the exact institutions WISE set out to disrupt. It was the first non-bank to be granted access to the UK's payment rails, allowing it to clear and settle payments in real time. It now has access in Hungary, Singapore and Australia, with 69 licences globally. Its millions of users can hold, manage and spend money through online debit cards in 170 countries. It charges the mid-market rate for currency conversion and an average fee of 0.67% for cross-border transactions. It made a gross profit of 638 million euro in the 2023 financial year from revenue of 846 million euro. Its motto is payments without borders and it believes consumers are being ripped off by foreign exchange fees. But it still only owns 5% of the money-moving market. In this interview, I asked the co-founder and chief executive, Christo, how he plans to capture the rest. Christo, it's lovely to see you. Thanks so much for chatting with me today. Awesome. Good to be on your show, Madison. I want to start with your mission statement. And if we look at other mission statements in the payments or payments-adjacent space, Stripe, It wants to increase the GDP on the internet. Shopify wants to allow anyone to become an entrepreneur on their lunch break. What is the defining objective for WISE? We want to be, and we want to have people and businesses be able to use their money internationally the way that they do it domestically. So make it cheap, make it fast, make it super convenient to pay and to get paid anywhere in the world. Talk me through the demand that you're seeing for that and what trajectory it's on. Obviously, you've had incredible growth, but have you seen a further steepening in that adoption curve or is it flatlining a little? I think the world is getting more international whether we want it or not. Um, Especially after COVID, we see that a lot in the small business segment. So now the businesses that get set up, they are much more likely to be International on the outset, meaning they would sell their products, uh, especially services internationally. And they would also 
um, hire people, contractors, and hire services internationally. So internet is for sure making business life a small life for small businesses um, so much more kind of international and broader um, for 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 all, all different industries. So it sounds like you're seeing more further adoption opportunity in the B2B space, the way that businesses use WISE, because a lot of consumers have already started to adopt it, right? Well, I mean, we can put this into numbers. So we um, we we have estimates over how big the how many people and businesses are making international payments, and we 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 kind of estimate that WISE now moves about four four and a half percent of the world's uh, money for individuals and maybe only less than a percent for for businesses so yes the businesses are getting more international and that that whole um kind of demand is growing for sure but there is so much demand in all different segments that still stays with banks and when you go to your your bank in new zealand you'll find that you know, they'll tell you it costs him nothing to make an international transfers. And if you're, uh, if you're smart, you're going to look at what the real exchange rate is and you'll find out they'll charge you a few hundred dollars easily uh, for the transaction. So there's still a lot of people who are figuring that out, a lot of business owners that are figuring that out and then starting to look for alternatives to their, to their bank. When you mentioned that total market of money movement between consumer and then also within business, can you give me that figure? And totally fine if it's in pounds or euros. If I go off the top of my head, I think this is about um, about four trillion a year that moves in in pounds uh, across um, across the world. Uh, we also estimate that banks take about two hundred billion dollars um, in um, in markups. Kind of off the uh, off the transactions that they process for individuals and small businesses, so this is a huge cost to people doing business or, or just moving across countries, and we have a solution for that. So, so that that's the kind of problem that we're working on. Still, such a massive opportunity. I mean, most people know about Wise, and you've been listed since what 2021. But you still only have 4% of the money movement of consumers and 1% of business. I mean, the opportunity there, you must agree, is still pretty enormous. We are very much in the beginning. I mean, we have our hands full. There's, there's a lot to do. We have 5,000 people on the, around the world uh, working on this problem. And well, we seem to be making a lot of progress. There's, there's a lot of demand for our wise. You mentioned they're taking money or taking the markup off banks, right? And you've mentioned your mission statement, but it seems like a sort of secondary mission that you don't really put up in lights is to effectively stop banks from charging people. But as you've mentioned, a lot of money is still held within the banks, even though there's been a challenger banks and new innovation in the payment space for a while now, banks still kind of run the show. So what do you think is left to shift to move people away from traditional banks? So first of all, I don't think we need to move people away from banks. And also, it's none of my business to um, to debate how much the banks should charge or should not charge their customers. That's uh, that's that's totally in there what what they should be uh, deciding. One thing that we do ask um, from banks is that they should show their customers what they're charging. That is where the competition is lost. There is uh, 
there's no transparency in what does it actually cost you to make these transfers unless you go and start digging on the exchange rate. It's, it's very hard for a small business owner against everything else that she does to kind of work out that then there's another 4% of her GMV or the, the global merchandise volume that is um, actually being, being taken as, uh, as an exchange rate markup. So, um, so that, that's mostly about the transparency with banks. Uh, and when we look at our own customer base, we see that there are businesses that very, very actively use WISE but it doesn't mean that they don't use their domestic bank for their domestic services. So there would be Kiwi businesses who is still very much bank with their one of the one of the largest uh, Kiwi banks. But then all of their international activity, international invoices, um, payroll, all of that would happen on the Wise account. So I think we'll see more and more um, kind of selection selection of. Uh, companies and people using multiple banks for for different purposes, and internet makes that just so much easier. Which again makes competition much better, and eventually services better for people. So it's a it's actually a big win for the consumers. Totally fair that you wouldn't want to attack banks in any way for charging a markup because, as you say, you know they do need to charge that because they also lend. So I want to talk to you about higher interest rates. That's a global story. We all know that. We're seeing it impact bank margins here now as they start paying higher deposit rates to customers, even though they have been earning more and higher interest too. But I'd love to know how high interest rates impact your business. Are you seeing any shifts in consumer demand or change in volume or value of deposits at all? Well, I'm surprised that banks are hurt by high interest rates because usually they take free money from uh, individuals and then give it to the central bank for uh, uh, for a, for a good rate. So I thought they're, they're enjoying that a lot. Um, but in our case, we're, we're quite insensitive to in- interest rates. If anything, it's a bit of a financial tailwind to us because as people and businesses use wise, they also do hold some funds in their wise account as well. So we do have a small financial gain from, uh, interest rates as well, but that's not our core business. So, so that that's a little bit to the side. The main use case for our customers is still you know, how do they move money in and out of um, um, of their country, whether that's New Zealand or Australia. When I spoke about the higher interest rates, what we're seeing in New Zealand, just to give you some context, is that they definitely did do very well with those higher interest rates, but now they've had to increase deposit rates, what they pay to customers as well. So that is sort of coming off, that squeeze is on right now. But you're absolutely right, they have benefited from a high interest rate environment. Christo, that's correct. They had a fantastic windfall, and now that the windfall is taken away, they're they're a bit sad. And here comes the competition. I want to talk more about sort of innovations that your customers can expect on WISE. You've gotten into investments. You're now also allowing businesses to effectively use WISE as a bank, as you mentioned, with payroll, deposit accounts, digital debit cards, and those sort of things. Where do you still see opportunity for innovation in the payment space? There's a there's plenty of opportunity to get your money to work as well internationally as it as it does in uh, does does in your home country. Um, so all the things you mentioned, they're getting better on why. So we're getting better invoicing tools for people who um, who are freelancing abroad. Um, we get um, better ways to hold 
multiple currencies so that you do get the central bank interest rates or close to the central bank interest rates on your USD deposits or your euro deposits and on WISE as well. It's a, it's a journey for us to kind of be able to do that in every country. Um, but that's, that's happening. There's a lot for us to do. So remember the, uh, us holding 4% of the international payments and being in the very beginning of that. So most of our focus goes on how do we serve more and more use cases and more and more, um, routes in a better way that makes it easier for people and businesses to switch their international part of life onto wise. So that's kind of when, when you think of what to expect from wise, you'll see a lot of development in that direction. Who would you say your direct competitors between challenger banks are? Because I would have thought it was the likes of Monzo and Bolt, but you actually work with them to some degree, don't you? For sure. So when I mentioned there's a lot of demand for, for wise, the demands come demand comes from people and businesses, but it also comes from banks now. So banks have realized that it is actually very hard and very expensive for them to offer that service. service. Um, so most banks in the world are domestic. So they they have their hands full building the local mortgages, lending books, uh, uh, current accounts. So they are struggling on, you know, how do we, how do we match the instant international payments that WISE gives their customers. And actually, in fact, we got some inspiration seeing from some banks starting to recommend WISE to their customers, just so that they so expensive for them to serve the customers themselves on international that they'd rather show them how to use WISE to do that. Um, but, um, but, but we kind of took inspiration f- from that and, and opened the WISE network. Uh, that kind of enables all these fast and uh, cheap money movement to banks themselves. So as you said, in the UK, the challenger banks like Monzo, if you're a customer there, you would be getting the wise service within your Monzo app or within your bank's app. Or if UpBank in uh, Australia, again, you get the same same service. And it's especially appealing for challengers because that suddenly gives challengers an edge over the uh, the mainstream banks because now suddenly the best way to make international payments through your bank account is if you have a Monzo account in um, in the UK or an Up account in Australia. So that that does definitely um, uh, give us give us some more interesting ways out to reach customers and for customers it's a better experience. So we're super excited about that development. I did absolutely want to talk with you about this cost of offering the services that WISE brings to the consumer in the payment space. And if you think of that edge that WISE and other challenger banks bring that you've spoken about, what could kill that edge is regulation. And it has again been a global story of tougher regulation in the payment space. In Australia, where you are right now, I think they call it know your customer rules, whereas here in New Zealand and I believe in Europe and the UK, they call it a big mouthful, anti-money laundering and countering of financing of terrorism rules. How do you think about all of that and the pressure that it's potentially putting on your profitability and growth? And does it kind of get to a point where it actually becomes too much to bear? I mean, these the same regulations that apply to banks apply to us and have done so from the beginning. In fact, the that is what gives us an edge because for domestic banks, this is this is a 
an extra work that they have to do beyond their main business. For us, it is the main business. So to put it into comparison, um, we have 800 software engineers working on international payments in WISE. I don't know how many the largest New Zealand bank has dedicated to international payments and sanction screening and money laundering checks. I can guess it's probably around 10 or maybe 15, uh, maybe a little bit more, but, but I think it's, it's very, very hard for them. And I have a lot of empathy with that to invest so much as we do into all of these, uh, all of these measures that we both are subject to. When that, it's that this is, this is an, it, this is a big edge for us. Yeah. To be able to continue to invest in it is the only sustainable business model just to keep increasing fees to keep up with the cost of compliance. What does that actually look like? I mean, for, for us, we're seeing that the more scale we have, the more people and businesses start using wise the more we get out of the investments that we're making, which means that we can actually lower our fees. And that's what we've done over the last years. On average, we've managed to lower the, the entire fee base that we charge our customers on a unit basis. It's, um, you know, sometimes we can do it faster, sometimes slower, but our overall journey is going to be, there's going to be, it's going to be even cheaper uh, to use WISE in the future. So it's a volume game and also a value game, right? The more people that use WISE, put more money through it, the easier it is for you to invest in those capabilities that are mandatory, yeah? Yeah, for sure. Our customers benefit from all the engineering investments that we're making into the product, and that's going to pay back in the future in actually a cheaper service and, and definitely a better one. Now, I hear you've just been on a sabbatical, Christo. I have been. Um, I've, I've had a luxury of, of getting three months off. Um, I'm back this week, uh, so it's my third day at work today. Um, I had a great time to spend time with my, my newborn and my, my older um, kid. Um, my biggest sabbatical success stories, I told my four-year-old how to swim, uh, so... I, I take it as a massive success, but I'm equally uh, equally excited to be back. Well, thank you so much for doing this on what is only your third day back. Well, thanks a lot, Madison. Now, this is my last show for the year. I'll be back in February, but you can watch all 78 episodes from this year on my YouTube playlist or on the New Zealand Herald website. Before you do that, though, I do have some news for you. I'm engaged. I'm not wearing a ring. It's currently at the jewellers getting resized. And I just wanted to say that, as you all know, this show is about giving you information to make financial investments. But the best investments you can actually make is in your relationships. And that is financial advice. Now go put your money to work. <laughs>